Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. Well, we've, we've been, we're in the midst of a new study. It's not really a new study to us, but it's a, a study that I feel that God has put in, our, in front of us for such a time as this, and a lot of it is due to the idea that um, if you've been watching, if you've been, had watched the news in November, October, November, all the way up to recently, we've, you've seen an seen and heard a lot of these prophets that are were saying that some that the election was going to go a certain way and this was going to be a certain way and we're going to have all these all this stuff and and it didn't happen that way and so as i was praying and i was preparing for this message this morning and this 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 next study God brought me here, and John is basically, it's a general letter, First John is a general letter, that's where we're going to be, by the way, First John chapter 2, First John is a general letter, and he's dealing with, dealing with, like it says, this epistle instructs the believers in Christian living and conduct as beloved children, but it also says that this epistle is a pastoral letter written by a very mature and loving apostle to the church in danger of being led astray by false teachers. So in 2021, we have, in 2020, 2021, we have had, this whole past year has been a, a field day for false teachers, for false prophets. And they've been coming out of the woodwork. And because they've been coming out of the woodwork, uh, people have been giving up their security, social security checks, their money giving to these ministries to further these ministries' uh, message. And so many of them have been wrong. So many of them are wrong. There's, there is, if you look at the scripture and you, and you talk, and, and especially when it comes to prophecies, we're to test the spirits to see if they're of God. And so many people take face value some of these things that these so-called pastors, preachers, prophets, prophets and prophetesses are, are saying face value without question. John here is dealing with the church, with the church as a whole, that is dealing with false prophecies and false prophets. Now, because we've not been together in person, some of you may have not been able to, to watch the videos. But I encourage you, if you have time and you're on YouTube, bouncing around there, uh, go to Stepping Stones of Faith and you'll see the last two or three um, services where we dealt with this. But what he does here is very important. John, in the very first chapter, he begins to lay down a foundation. He begins to lay down a foundation of who Jesus Christ is. If you look at 1 John in the book of John, it is very similar. 
Because in the book of John, the gospel of John, that's what he does in the very first chapter, the very first few verses. He lays down this idea of who Jesus Christ is by the scripture. And then again here in this book, he does the exact same thing. He brings them back. And, and I like how he says that, he says, that, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and, and our hands have touched concerning the word of life. He's reminding them here, this church that is about to be overtaken by false teachers, listen, some of you were alive during all of this. Some of you were, were in the midst of Jesus and heard the teaching. Some of you were with him and was able to touch him. Some of you were with him and you've seen the miracles. And so he goes on, he establishes in the very first section, verses 1 through verse 2, or verse 4, verse 1 through 4, who Jesus Christ is. And it's very worthy to study that out because especially in today's day and age, we have to study the scriptures just to stay right with God. And there's so many other, there's so many other things going on with ministries and prophets and prophetesses and all these things that are pulling people astray, pulling people here, pulling people there. You know, it says in, in James, you know, going about with every wind of doctrine, that's beginning to happen. And how do we stay close? We stay close to the Word of God. We understand the principles of who Jesus is. We talked about the Word of life. Then he's talking about God being light. And in Him there's no darkness. And he lays down what it means to walk in the light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, our fellowship is, 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 is one with him. And he goes on and he talks about these things and these particular ideologies and these particular attitudes of living a life of I can do what I want. I'm a Christian, I can do what I want. And he says in this sec section I found very, very clear, very, very clear, very, very important. It says in verse 5, this is, this is then the message that which we have heard from him to, and, and declare to you, God is light in him, there's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So I brought this out in the previous studies, is that if we say we're a believer and yet we don't walk in the truth or we don't have an attitude of walking in the truth, we're becoming a liar. We are a liar and we don't have the truth. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what we, I, I went into this on the video. I'm not going to go into it here today completely and fully. You can watch it later. But what does it mean to walk in the light? What does that actually mean? Is it just Bible reading? No. Is it just praying? No. Is it just having good morals? No. There's more to that. There's, it is a lifestyle of change. It is a lifestyle of living for God. It's not actions, because then that becomes a works system. It is a lifestyle and how we live our life. 
And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with him, with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. Now, here's another thing we have to really pay attention to. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if we walk around our lives and we say, well, you know, I've not... We use the categories of sin, you know. I've not murdered anybody. I've not cheated on my spouse. I've not cheated on my taxes. I've not smoked, chewed, or gone with girls who do kind of thing. You know, those kinds of things. I don't have anything to repent of because I haven't sinned. That is an, an, an ideology in a lot of religions where if you, you know, you can, you can get saved and you're always saved and you live the way you want to. There's no precedent in Scripture for that. But if we, if we say that we are, sin, or are, are believers and walk in sin or if we you know, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, we're liars, and we're going to end up in hell. Now, we talked last week about Jesus Christ being our advocate and what that means. I like how it says here, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Very distinct there. Because I brought this out in the video last week. Because Jesus did so much stuff and was so popular, his name was popular. And so people were named Jesus. We have in Scripture we talk about Bar-Jesus. You know, there was, there was one apostle or one uh, disciple named Bar-Jesus. And so his name was popular. So, so what I'm, I'm bringing this up to say that there were names, it wasn't Jesus down the street or it wasn't Bar-Jesus or it wasn't somebody else that we know. It's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Very distinct of who we're talking about here. The one that came from the Father. He says, he is our advocate. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but for the, but for the sins of the whole world. So there's no more sacrifice, no more any of that, Jesus Christ is a sacrifice. I brought this out in, a, in the video as well, talking about this, that my mother got a letter years ago from a ministry, I'm not going to mention the ministry, not mention the name of the ministry, but they were saying, well, what we're going to do, they sent her an envelope with an envelope inside, and it said, my prayer request, and the instructions were to write down your most dire need as a request, put it in the envelope, send it back to us, we'll put it in a pile, and we'll burn it as a burnt offering unto God. It's a sweet-smelling savor. I told my mom to throw that away because that is not scriptural. Because right here, there is no sacrifices to be made except for the one Jesus did. And so there's a lot of things that we, we deal with in this life in the 20th century then and 21st century now that try to pull us away from the true meaning of Jesus. So John's whole thing here is to establish once again in our hearts and in the hearts of these people who Jesus Christ really is and what his role is in, in our lives. Whether we choose to believe it or not is on us, but this is 
the role that God put in forth for Jesus Christ to play in our lives. He is our advocate. Now, verse 5 in chapter 2 says, But whoever keeps his word truly, notice how they put those kind of those words in there. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he who keeps his word truly, meaning it's not lip service, it's a lifestyle, truly has the love of God perfected in him. By this we know we are in him. Whoever says he remains in him ought to walk as he walked. Now, if we are in the light as he is in the light, if we walk as he walked, there's more to that than just identifying with and saying, I'm a Christian. There's more to that than just saying, well, I go to church. There's more to that than saying, I gave my heart and life to Jesus 25, 50, whatever years ago, and you find yourself living the way you want. There's more to it than that. There's, it is a lifestyle of change. It is a lifestyle of walking with God. It is a lifestyle of Christianity. And that means, in some cases, that you have to take a stand. And when you take a stand, it's not always popular. And you're maybe not liked, you're maybe made fun of, but you make a stand for Christ. That's what it means when you walk in the light as he's in the light. You walk as he's walked. You make a stand. Look at, look at Jesus' life. Was he, a, was he one that uh, just ebbed and flowed with society? Did whatever they wanted and conformed? No, he was not a conformist. He brought confrontation to society. He upturned not only the money changers in the, in the temple, but he upturned the whole way of thinking. If you think about it, Jesus and 12 men turned the world upside down from the way it was going in the first place. We're to walk in the same way. Maybe not go into places and destroy them and turn over, turn, turn, turn over cash registers or whatever, but live in a way that people know by a shadow of a doubt that we're Christians. That we're Christians. By the way we act, by the way we talk, by the way we are, our demeanor. And I'm not saying you, can, you can't be angry, you can't have bad days, you can't. We all have those things. But in the grand scheme of things, what are people going to say about us when we're gone? Will they say he or she was a Christian? Or would they say, well, he was a good guy, laughed at all my jokes and thought it was funny and great, great, great guy to be around. And by golly, he'd even drink with me every once in a while. Or he'd, you know, he'd, you know, drown his sorrows in beer or whatever with me every once in a while. What, what does that say? What does that say? That says that you're no different than anybody else. We're to stand out. We're to be different. We're to stand apart from society or to stand apart from the natural flow of things and flow in, in the way God wants us to. God would want us to do that. God desires for us to be that way. Now we have a new commandment here we're going to talk about briefly in verse 7. Brothers, I'm writing 
no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Yet a new commandment I am writing to you, which holds true to in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light but hates his brother is in darkness even until now. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in, the, in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now this is talking about grudges. You ever hold a grudge? I have. I think we all have. Get angry where I'm not going to talk to that person. They did me wrong 25 years ago and I'm not going to forgive them. Even, even this whole thing with, uh, this, this is what really gets me. People even say this. It's so Christian to say this, but it's, it's not. They say, well, you know, I, I don't have to, I have to forgive them, but I don't have to hang around with them. I don't have to have fellowship with them. You know, how much of that is really a forgiveness and not holding a grudge? You're still kind of holding a grudge. I have to forgive them, but I don't have to have fellowship with them. That sounds Christian, but really is it? Because you're not, you're, you're still holding that grudge. If we hold the grudge, we're no better off. We're no different. We're no different. Now I know we're going to have times of anger and bitterness and, and all these things. We're human, by golly, we have those things. But it's the point when we come to this place of when we understand and we see within ourselves something that has changed, whether it be our attitude, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we do things, and it's not what it used to be, but it's a little bit worse, then I think it's time to ask God for some help. And as long as we have breath in our bodies, we can ask God for help. We can ask God to minister to us and bless us and forgive us and have repentance in our heart. We are in the darkness because it has blinded our eyes. Our own grudges can blind us. Our own thoughts, our own things that we think is so important to us can be a blinding thing. And it can hinder our relationship with God. That's why it's important. See, John here is bringing all this down. The, 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 the one commandment Jesus said wraps up the whole prophets and the Ten Commandments. Remember what that was. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Those two, the, that one sentence, those two things wrap up all the prophets, and the Ten Commandments. John is saying, I'm, I'm reminding you of the one from before that you've heard, but I'm writing you a new one. If you're doing this, you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. If you're holding a grudge, you're, you are not loving your neighbor. You're breaking one of these commands. Verse 12, he says, I am writing to you this writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I am writing to you, fathers, 
because you have known him from who, who, known him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is. I have written to you, young men, because you, have, you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now he's reminding them, little children, fathers, and young men. He's not talking to little children. He's not talking to young men specifically or, or fathers specifically. He is talking to stages of maturity here. When we... When we become to know Jesus Christ, what are we called? Babies in Christ, right? Little children. If you, come, if you don't become like us as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking to maturity of spirit here, maturity as a Christian. Little children, I'm writing this to you because you are, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. So when you, are, when you come to know God and you ask for forgiveness and you're forgiven, you're a little child. I'm writing to you fathers, meaning the mature Christian, the one who has walked with God for many, many, many years. I am writing to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you've overcome the evil one. As you progress through your spiritual walk, you overcome things, or you should overcome things. You should overcome those grudges. You should overcome those preconceived notions of who God is. You should overcome those things that are stumbling blocks to yourself. You should overcome those things. As you grow and as you mature as a father or a mother, you are then given this ability to stand before God forgiven. Stand before God forever changed. Is that something that we want? Something I want, something I want to be said of me, is that I was changed by the power of God. I don't want to have this other stuff in the first and second chapters, first part of the second chapter, be my epitaph on my headstone. He held grudges. He didn't really follow the Lord. You know, the, the book of Romans in chapter 2, we just got done with that, I know, but the book of Romans chapter 2, 24th verse, you know what it says? It says, The word of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And because of me. So that, that also speaks to this. People are saying to, people are watching people that are Christians. I watch people that are Christians. That's why I've been watching and keeping track of these quote unquote prophets and prophetesses because I watch things. I test spirits. People do that all the time. The word of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of the way we react, because of the way we are as people. John is writing this book to encourage others to stay in the Lord, 
to know him in reality, to know him in a real way. Don't take up this, these things and these thoughts and these other, these other factions of Christianity, but stick to the true scripture. Trick, stick to the true Jesus and who he is. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. That's a big one. That's a big one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. We could go all day on that one. What are some of the things we love? We all are, we all are not immune to it. We love our vehicles. We love our houses. We love our families. It's all good to do that. But what place do they hold? You ever think about, I always, when I, when, I, when I think about this kind of thing, I always think about someone who's facing a terminal illness. I don't know why, but I do. And sometimes, some people react to, what, oh, I'm not going to be there to watch my kids grow up, or I'm not going to be there to walk my daughter down the aisle, or I'm not going to be there to be able to play with my grandchildren. And that's a valid concern. But how much do we really love the world when those things come to mind. There was someone that said to me during last year's um, COVID situation that they were going to church, still, going, still holding in-person in, in services, and they said, you know, we're going to come to church because if God gives me COVID and I die, then I'm going to be with Jesus. If I stay alive, then I have another day to praise Him. That is putting Him first. Now, you've got to come to that. You've got to, you've got to be able to grow into that and come to that. And I don't know how many of us could say that. Having COVID, or, and some of us have had COVID here, uh, it's a hard thing to do, and it's, very un, it's a very uncertain thing to go through. But that being said, how much, of, how much of it do we really love the world and the things of the world when things like that happen? How much of that? says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's harsh. John's just laying it right down on the, down to the brass tacks. If you love the world more than God, then the love of the Father was never in you in the first place. That's why it's so important that we go to God, we ask God for, for, for deliverance, for provision for whatever. We depend upon God because we love God. Let's not even go, let's not even talk about the idea of losing your life. Let's talk about the idea of maybe losing a job. Loving the things of the world means you have to go out and you have to fret and you have to do all these things and you have to, you have to be concerned and you have to get all worked up because you've lost your job because you don't know what you're going to do without even considering the idea that Jesus Christ can take care of you until you find another job. You love the world more than you love God. Verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Let's talk about those. Lust of the flesh. That's the things we tangibly want, you know? I got to make more money so I can get a better house. 
I got to make more money so I can get a better car. I got to, you know, make more money, take this other job in another state because it's more money and I can do more things. That's, a, that's the, the lust of the flesh and the, the, and the whole gamut of the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. Boy, look at that house. I have, I have a, I have, there's a lot of people that, that I, like my family and stuff, and they're always posting things on Facebook that say, you know, um, look at this house and all these big houses and how much they, really, if you don't watch yourself, that can become a lust of the eyes. And then the lust of the flesh kicks in and says, I really want that. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get it. That's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, playing out. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get this thing. When I was growing up as a Christian, lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh meant, in the church I was in, meant that a man was going to do whatever he wanted to get this woman. Or a woman would do whatever she needed to do to get a man. It's, that's part of it, but that's not the whole it's when you're willing to do whatever it takes to get what you want. That's the lust of the flesh and the eyes and, and lust of the eyes working together. Whatever it might be. The pride of life, that is something that we're willing to give up everything to save ourselves. Jesus dealt with that. Jesus dealt with that. He said, if, 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 if a man would lose his life for my sake, would save it. Those who would save his life would lose it. That's the lust of the lust of the, the the pride of life. Jesus dealt with that because it's important. We we do that all the time. We think about that all the time. Our pride of life. And that's not just staying alive. That could also mean selling someone out for your own benefit. To stay in a job or to stay in a relationship or stay in cahoots with someone. Pride of life. Let's see, he says, for all, the, all, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but, but is of the world. So all these things are not of God. These, see, these are attitudes. See, God could, could, could direct us to get a different job. God could direct us to do something, but the, the, the motivation is different. Understand? If God is directing it and we listen to God, then we're in the will of God. But if God is not directing and we're doing these things anyway, we're outside the will of God, and in that way of thinking, we're apart from God. You see, God, God might give us an opportunity to get a different job, to get a better house. Maybe we need a different car. God, did, God would bring something about to be able to do that. That is different than what we're talking about here. This is when we have everything we need. We just want something better. Our life is not, you know, we just want something more. We're, we're okay with what we have, but we're, we're, we're not okay with it. We want something better, and we don't care what God has to say about it. We're going to do what we have to do to get it. Because that's the way we live and that's who we are. Well, guess what? You're apart from God when you're that way. It plainly says right here. 
We're apart from God when we act that way. The world is not, and its desires are passing away. You remember that old saying, you can't take it with you? You can't. You can't take it with you. I'm sure if you wanted to, Wayne, you could be buried in your truck if you wanted to. But you know what, you know what I'm saying? You could do that, but you can't take it to heaven with you. You're not going to have your, your bank account in heaven, how either big or small that is. You're not going to have your vehicles in heaven. You won't need them. It's all going to pass away. But you know what stays and will forever stay, and that's the Word of God. His Word will never pass away, it says. He says, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now, this is something we have to really examine. The will of God. What is it? How do we know what it is? How do we know to follow it? The only way you're going to find the will of God, find out the will of God for your life, is to spend really close time with Jesus. That's it. You're not going to find the will of God for your life by just doing things willy-nilly and happenstance. It's not going to happen. See, John is, is instructing them in the ways of Christianity. In the ways that, were, that, that they were instructed in the beginning. And they did for a while. But then something better, more, better sounding came along. And so they started to follow that and follow those things. And then John had to go and deal with it, just like Paul had to deal with the church in Galatia. This is not a new thing. This is not, this whole thing we're dealing with today is not a new thing. This whole thing with false prophecies and false prophets and all these things in 2020 and 2021 is not a new thing. It is something they've dealt with since the first century. And we're not immune. But Paul or John is saying here, we need to get back to God. We need to get back to the will of God. How do we do that? Spend time in the Word of God. Spend time. And that means, sometimes it means more than just your devotions. Sometimes it means taking something and really studying something and looking at something, looking at what, what God says about a topic or what God says about a, a, a situation in your life. Believe me, every answer you'll ever need is right here. Every answer you'll ever need is right here. You need, you need anything. It's right there in the scripture. So we, we spend time in the, in, in the Word of God. We spend time in the Word of God not only reading it for academia purposes, but reading it with an open heart and a yielded spirit before God and, and a prayerful spirit before God. And we ask God to help us and we pray as we read. And, we, and then we shut up and we let God talk. And then God gives us that ability to know his will. And then once he does, here's the kicker, okay? You have to decide whether you want to do it or not. That's what really bothered, bothered me years ago. People would ask me, how do I know the will of God for my life? Well, I explained this thing, so then they prayed. And then they knew what the will of God was, but they didn't like it, so they didn't do it. So what's the point? Why did you spend all that time praying if you didn't like what God was saying in the first place? 
So we have to choose at, one point, at some point in our life, once we know what the will of God is, we have to choose to follow that will. We still have a free will. God's not going to make us do it. He's not going to make us follow because we're just supposed to follow. We have to choose. The question is, are we willing to choose his way and not our own? Lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. Remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. That means the will of God, if it's something we're not used to doing, there's a reason we're doing it. There's a reason for it. Whatever it might be, God is out for our good. God is out to prosper us in some way. Maybe not financially, but maybe spiritually. He's going to grow us. He's going he's to prune us and prune that stuff away. But we have to follow the will of God. We have to. And the only way we're going to find it is by spending time with God, spending time in His Word, having an attitude of repentance and prayer, and being willing and open to do that which God wants us to do. If we're not any of those things, then it's not going to work. It's not going to work. We're going to be in a circle and in a cycle of our life that is never going to end because of that. So, my challenge for you, a question first, then a challenge. How is the Bible reading going for you? Have we been able to do it every day? We have. We've been doing it on a version. I've been marking it off on the paper. I pray that it does good for you. That is a way that we can get with God and understand God and know God's the will of God. And I appreciate those of you that do, maybe not this particular re-reading plan, but have, a, have your own reading plan, uh, um, the way you do it, your own um, routine of reading the word of God. I appreciate those of you, all of you that do that. I appreciate you very much for doing that with us and being faithful to God. That is a good start. So if you're doing that, my question to you is, my challenge for you is this. As you're doing that, start to twinkle in, twinkle in or twinkle in or whatever you call it, sprinkle in your situations, your concerns, the things that you are searching for, and start to ask God for his will in your life. And when he says to you, this is my will, because he will eventually, when we're surrendered enough and we're yielded enough, when he says, this is my will, I would encourage you to choose to follow it. I would encourage for you to, to choose to follow it and do that which God wants you to do. If you want a better life in, in Christ, that's how you start. That's how you start. Amen? So that is my challenge. Choose, should you choose to accept it, as they used to say in Mission Impossible, I believe it is. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for this word. Lord, I ask that you would bless each and every one that's here today. Help us, Father, to lean heavily upon you and to know your will. Help us to search out your will and not only search it out and know what it is, but to follow your will. And Father, we thank you for that and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I appreciate each one of you coming here today. God bless you. Thank you for being here. God minister to you this week.
take that challenge to heart and I encourage you to, to incorporate that in your times of prayer and, and uh, devotion. If you're struggling with that devotion time, believe me, if you ask God to carve out the time, he'll carve it out for you and he'll make it possible for you to study his word. Amen. So that's my challenge. Should you accept it, follow God, minister to him, allow him to minister to you. And thank you for being here. God bless you. May he bless you this week. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. If you find value in this content, please consider subscribing. You can also find an audio podcast of this video on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today. God bless.